Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage, Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage. Center Stage. Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. In the new film about a teacher, Hanan Harkel recounts his first three years as a public school teacher. We see his hardships and struggles as he enters the profession oblivious to the actual demands of teaching. But soon, those obstacles become opportunities for growth for both teacher and student. As I watched the film, I realized that the overarching theme is perseverance. Never give up. Stay the course. Many times, Harkel wanted to quit, but he didn't. There was something deep within his heart that gave him the strength to keep moving forward, against all odds. I think of that today, during these uncertain times. The world has changed, and we have temporarily lost many of the freedoms we once enjoyed. But take heart. This too shall pass. No matter how bad it seems at the moment, it will get better. We will persevere. When this wave has washed over and the sun shines down upon us once again, we will shift our focus to realize better days ahead. Stay tuned as we learn more about a teacher with Hanan Harkel. Now, this is your first film, correct? My first feature film. I've done before that, I've done um, animations, uh, many animations actually, for the Covenant Foundation. And uh, the animations are also on my website. They basically teach Jewish ethics and they're animated shorts that are about eight to 10 minutes long. So I've done 13 of those and I've exhibited them and screened them across the country. But this is my first live action feature film. I started the film in 2015, I started writing the script. And at that point I'd been teaching for six years. Now I've been teaching for 11 years. So the film took me five years to make and I made the film because I was going to quit the first year. And I found out that, you know, according to the New York State Comptroller, According to their webpage and their study, 41% of the New York City teachers that were hired in the 2012-2013 school year quit within, within five years. They left the profession. So I was going to be one of those people that left. And my students now are, are very successful. They get accepted to some of the best film schools. They've won almost $200,000 in prizes for their films. And I, I was going to leave. I know that there are many other very passionate, very energetic, very dedicated teachers that just, they can't handle it and they leave. And I wanted to make the film because I felt that there was no representation showing what teachers actually go through. And it's not the kid's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's that teachers are not properly prepared on how to structure a class, engage a class, manage a class, and how to connect with the kids. So they learn their pedagogy, but they don't learn that crucial element, which is necessary to be a successful teacher. Either you just somehow find a way to make it through and learn it, or you leave. I was teaching in a school that is career and technical education school. They want the kids not only to learn old academics, but they get to pick a major. And they study that major for three years. So in that school, in career and technical education schools and CTE schools, they decided that it's important to bring in teachers that have industry experience. And then over the three years, we have chance to take the pedagogical courses that we would need. Um, So I thought that my problem was, is that I didn't have that training. But then I saw 
that all of these other new teachers were suffering from the same thing and many of them were quitting. So I started speaking to very experienced teachers. And I, I remember going to a math teacher who was rated highly effective and was considered one of the top teachers in the school. And I asked her, where did you go to study this, this methodology? And she said, oh, well, I went to Columbia Teachers College. And I'm like, oh, so that's where you learned. And she's like, are you kidding me? I was taught by 80-year-old white guys who taught me applied mathematics. They didn't teach me any of this. She said, I was in my assistant principal's office every afternoon crying. I was asking teachers. I was asking the principal and administrator just come in and guide me and show me. And she said, it took years. You know, I had to develop this through trial and error. So here's someone who's rated highly effective and went to the best school and told me that she was floundering. <laughs> so I started to hear that story more and more. And I realized it wasn't my background. It was the fact that the system doesn't properly prepare you. Whenever things are going wrong, I feel like teachers are being dumped on. And teachers are the ones showing up. Teachers are on the front lines. You know, I want to also mention this other kind of anecdote that really propelled me, which, you know, there was a, a big uh, book written about this by Dale, I believe, Rosikoff. And it was about $100 million that Mark Zuckerberg invested in Newark, New Jersey public schools. He decided he wants to transform the public school system. So he invested $100 million in Newark, New Jersey public schools, which was matched by another $100 million by Cory Booker, uh, former mayor Cory Booker. Um, uh, and they took, the, they took the $200 million and decided with Mark Zuckerberg's genius and all the Harvard geniuses, they're going to transform Newark, Newark New Jersey public schools. Um, and then they'll go city by city around the country and change the public school system. The project was a, was, was a terrible failure. That's what the book describes. And one of the key things is that when they were getting consultants and getting people to figure out how to better the school system, they didn't ask a single teacher. They didn't consult a single teacher, according to the book. This is kind of the thing. They think somehow teachers don't know anything about what they're doing. But meanwhile, teachers are the ones with the experience and the ones on the front lines. So, you know, this is kind of where I was trying to show what teachers are going through and how difficult it is for someone trying uh, to do their best. And also to show how this teacher does manage to turn things around by learning how to engage the kids and structure the class in a certain way and make it about the kids. In the movie, one of the major things that ends up making me successful is that I actually do end up implementing all of the guidelines that are given by the administrators. You know, I start doing group work. I start letting it be more student-led. I start talking less and having the students doing more. So I'm actually implementing the Danielson model, which is what's used to evaluate teachers. But I implement it as a result of a very slow learning curve and learning how to do that. One of the key things that I learned over the years is when to engage a kid, like when to fight them um, or argue with them and when not, when to just let it go or when to laugh at what they're doing or when to play a part in what they're doing. There are lots of techniques and tools that I use now to engage with specifically those kids. And one of the things that I found is I try to immediately make a connection with those kids one-on-one. -on -one. I'll tell them something like, and you have to be really... Um, honest with the kids because they can tell if you're BSing, I'll point out you have this really incredible ability you know, to get people to follow you. And I think that you should really be 
directing this small film. You know, I want to put you together with some other kids and I want you to be the head of it because kids listen to you and they follow you. And so all of a sudden they take their ability to sabotage my class and I empower them. And and I've learned over the years various strategies that work with kids like that. These kind of fine-tuned things are things that you learn over the years. But as a new teacher, oh my God, I would stay up at night worrying Sometimes it's been all weekend thinking about something that happened. And then I would come in on Monday and the kid would have completely forgotten about it. And I would already been ready to continue this conversation that I had in my head. And the kid had moved on to something else. These are all things that I think can be trained much better and unfortunately aren't. What is the worst thing that ever happened when you were teaching? The, the worst things that, that happened by far are always when equipment gets stolen, a camera. And um, this was years ago. You never know what the kids are going through. One girl was pitching a documentary about how she was living in a car with her family. And my initial reaction was, why don't you go to a homeless shelter? And her reaction was, mister, don't you know it's really dangerous in a homeless shelter? Like, you can be attacked in a homeless shelter. So it's it's safer for us that way. And so I don't know if whoever was stealing the camera was stealing it because they needed it for money. One of the things that I had to learn and develop over the years was a system literally checking everything out and marking down which student has what. But it's a horrible feeling because you don't know who you can trust and who you can't. It looks like being a teacher really represents a strong value for you. And what value is that? Teachers, in my opinion, are on the front lines of ensuring that students have an equitable chance of being successful and productive in life. Teachers are the ones that right are there on the front lines. And I think that right now with what's going on with COVID and the kids being at home, I think a lot of parents are are beginning even more to appreciate what teachers are doing. I meet with my students every single day, uh, every single weekday at a set time to do my lesson as best as I can, you know, using Google Meet. And I get all these comments from parents who are kind of listening on and telling me how much they appreciate this. And I think that even teachers that are um, less experienced and teachers that are not doing as good a job, just the fact that that they're showing up is so incredibly important having somebody who's consistent there for the kids, somebody who is creating structure for the kids, um, helping them, the, the kids, you know, engage in critical thinking, um, learn how to be productive, hardworking, thinking people is so important. And I feel like teachers ought to be regarded as the real heroes, you know, in the society, like doctors are. I've done many, many other jobs. I I recorded 11 classical guitar CDs. I recorded on WQXR, which is New York's biggest classical station. I sold over 50,000 CDs. I had a solo museum exhibition. I got over $200,000 in grants to make animations that teach ethics. I had um, exhibitions around the world. Nothing of all the things that I've done comes even close to the difficulty of teaching. Teaching is absolutely by far, by a mile, the hardest thing that I've ever done and still continues to be the hardest thing that I've ever done. And I've been teaching now for 11 years. It is so incredibly difficult when you have a room of 30 kids 
to engage all of them, to differentiate the instruction so that everybody can be involved, everyone's engaged, have them doing activities where they're learning, where they're stimulated, where they're productive. When you're dealing with 30 different kids, all with all these different needs, day after day, it is incredibly draining and difficult. And yet it's by far also the most meaningful Mm -hmm. and most important Mm -hmm. work that I've ever done, ever, ever, ever done. And I think if I would have started as a teacher younger, I started at age 39. Um, I think if I would have started at a younger age, I don't think I would have still been a teacher. So a lot of the the actors in the film are past students, right? Nobody in the movie represents a specific person. They're all uh, what's known legally as composites. It's all based on actual events. I might combine what happened to me with one student with what happened to me with another student and maybe change the gender or change the race. The people that you see represented in the film, it all represents real experiences, but it's not one specific person. So the fact that so many of my students, about half the actors are former students, including um, you know some of the main characters are former students. Even a former student shot the film. So a student who graduated from my program and was beginning his second year at film school, Kai Dikassian, uh, we rented an expensive camera and he shot the film and did a marvelous job. And it's it's such a beautiful thing when former students can come back and participate in this and want to participate in this. And I, I paid everybody and uh, uh, some more than others, but I made sure to pay everybody. The kids are, in my opinion, many of the best actors in the movie were kids who had no acting experience whatsoever. Um, but we just set up the same classroom environment. And, you know, we gave them a script, but the idea was really that they could improvise and play off of it and change words to words that they would use as long as it expressed the same sentiment. And the kids were just marvelous to deal with. Whatever I give, I get back so much more because, you know, kids come back to visit. As you know, kids came back to act in the movie. But the letters that I get from kids and kids coming back to visit, one of my students just got now accepted into NYU film school. And she's going for four years to NYU Film School, and they gave her now enough scholarship so that she can finish the four years. It's just amazing. You know, her life is transformed. It's unbelievable. And then you you think to yourself, I've had students that were going to drop out, and then they loved film, and then they started doing better in academics. And you think this kid now is in college. And where would this kid have been if they would have dropped out of high school? It took years to get there. And the first year, I, I felt like I failed at everything that I did. But a lot of kids still appreciated just the fact that I showed up. But I, I was terrible in the beginning. Why didn't you quit? A multitude of reasons. You know, we were going to start a family. The economy was still recovering. Just the economic reason um, that I couldn't figure out exactly what else I was going to do. If I would have gotten in that first year the right offer, I think I would have jumped ship. After about a year and a half, I started to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Things that I had experienced in the first year that seemed impossible, all of a sudden the same situation would happen again. But I felt like I had more tools in my toolkit to handle it, or at least it didn't feel as overwhelming because it was happening for the second time around. There are still things that are overwhelming, but you end up having kind of a whole arsenal of, of tools. Many of those tools don't involve a combative relationship. Many of those tools involve partnering, ignoring things, stepping back instead of forward, negotiating the situation, bringing other kids involved. You know, I recently had a situation with some students where they were kind of arguing about an idea. And and I brought in a third student because I knew that that third student is really good friends with the other student. And next thing I know, 
they ended up kind of negotiating amongst themselves and I was more kind of a facilitator stepping back. These are all things that I never knew how to do in the first year. And kids smell fresh meat. You know, they, they <laughs> smell they smell when a teacher is inexperienced and uh, they capitalize on it because they're kids and it's it's understandable. The kids want to learn and the kids show up now, even now during this COVID crisis, when we're doing it remotely, I still have a nearly 100% attendance rate. The kids are showing up every day. They want to learn. You know, they just want to be in an environment that is is stimulating, where it's engaging and they can learn. Um, so I, I think that the kids are amazing. And, and I've learned so much from my students. You know, one of the big lessons is that I had to learn that my students are my teachers. And it helped me grow a lot. What did you learn about the art of filmmaking? First of all, I learned in making the film, how far I can push myself. There was a moment in making the film where I wanted to give up because so many things were going wrong and people were abandoning uh, the film or threatening to abandon the film. And I really wanted to give up. And uh, two things, number one, the idea of going back to the investor and telling her that a quarter or a third of the money was squandered and I only have a quarter of a film and I gave up was one thing. But the thing that really punched me in the gut is that I talk to my students all the time about perseverance and how important it is not to give up and that that's the thing that distinguishes. And to go back into the classroom and say that I gave up and coming up with all the excuses in the world, you know, people walking off set, this, that. I couldn't imagine going back to my students. And I remember coming back to my students and describing to them how I literally got down on my knees and begged and one of my students was like, nah, I'm never going to do that. And I said, if I hadn't done it, I think I wouldn't have had a film. I literally had to get down on my knees and beg. And I was losing weight and having diarrhea. And I realized like how far I, I, um, I, I can push myself. Um, that's one thing. And the second thing that I realized is simply how complicated it is to tell a, a, a story realistically. You know, you can say teaching is hard. But how do you actually show people that teaching is hard? And how do you really show people what teachers go through? I, I, I wanted people to literally experience and be in the experience of that teacher to the point where everybody would say, wow, like I wouldn't blame the guy for quitting. And then I want people to then also go through that transformation and start to see that if you just make it past that, there's a much deeper reward awaiting on the other end. And I, I'm thinking specifically, you know, there are books and movies that literally just sensationalize craziness going on in classrooms and show the teacher just like leaving. And so that the idea is, well, who would blame them for leaving? I did not want to make that movie. For me, it's about showing that there are problems with the system, but the teachers that make it through the other end, there's such a, a deep reward and the teachers that stay and stick with the kids are really transforming our society for the better and should be celebrated. I made some crucial errors as a first-time filmmaker. Two of the biggest ones that I can think of is that I did not initially hire a first AD. And that led to a lot of problems on set. A first AD, the first assistant director, is really the person who kind of runs the set. And I thought that as a director, I could, you know, basically tell actors, please walk here faster or move there, or, you know, start rehearsing this. And um, I found that 
you know, some actors were not responding well to me doing that because they were used to a first assistant director running the set. And, and that's their specialty and that's their role. And as soon as I brought in a first assistant director, which of course cost more money, the set did run much better. They were much better at it than me. Um, so that's a crucial error that I made. Another crucial error that I made is that um, I didn't have a dedicated script supervisor. That's the person who's looking through the script as it's run and making sure that there's not only continuity in terms of if a person was wearing a brooch in this one shot, they need to keep wearing the brooch in the next shot, but also looking at all the shots that are taken and comparing them to the pre-production and figuring out, you know, do we have enough shots of the scene from enough angles? That's something that really a script supervisor would sit and do. And I was kind of trying to do the job together with some other people that it wasn't their dedicated role. And that made things very difficult. Going forward, I need to raise more money for the next film and hire these dedicated professionals. So I made many crucial mistakes that made things very difficult for people on set. Of all the artistic projects that I've done, making a feature film, writing it, directing it, and producing it was the hardest project that I've ever done by a mile. And the reason that it was so hard is because in filmmaking, you're dependent upon so many other people. If somebody decides to walk off the set, or if somebody decides they don't like something, or if somebody argues with you, you can't just say it's my way or the highway because you're dependent on them. So there's a lot of negotiating, a lot of compromising, and a lot of logistical things that just fall through. We were supposed to film at NYU Film School. A lot of my students participated in their Saturday program and a professor there really appreciated how many students we were sending there for their programs. And I was promised that I could film at their, in their film lab. And the professor was promising me that and, and he thought it was okay, but he kept waiting to get an answer from the people up above. And I don't know if they were busy or if they overlooked his email, but he kept trying and trying. And two weeks before filming, we suddenly realized we're not getting that location, like it's not approved yet. So I found Hebrew Union College where I had my solo museum exhibition and I had to create a film lab there. I had to make it look like the film lab. So it involved, you know, uh, renting computers and <laughs> um, renting keyboards and, and you know, uh, moving everything over. It was, it, was, uh, it was a nightmare. You know, I knew my craft as a filmmaker but I did not know, for example, all the different kind of insurances that I had to get. I thought I needed to get general liability insurance, but I had to get equipment insurance. I had to get volunteer insurance. I had to get workers' comp insurance. All these different insurance policies, I had to read through them, understand how to do them. It was very last minute. And of course, as a teacher, the only time that I have really to work on something hard is the summer. So uh, instead of having a year for pre-production, it was done in a matter of months. So it was problematic. Is the film a homage to your father? The film shows and demonstrates a parallel between being a father and being a teacher. And one of my animations that I made for the Covenant Foundation, one of those Jewish ethics teachings animation, parallels how, um, at least in Judaism, they talk a lot about the relationship between being a parent and being a teacher. There's just a real, a, a, a real parallel there. And that, the idea that the student in many ways becomes the teacher. And to be a teacher, you really have to have humility. You have to really face 
that you don't know anything. You thought you know everything and you know nothing. And the teacher, the students teach you. <laughs> I just mixed it up, right? The students, teachers, they teach you. And if you're open to learning that, you can then become a better teacher. And that cycles back and forth. And it requires a tremendous amount of humility. And there is a huge relationship between parenting and teaching. And I call my students my kids. I call my students my kids. It's interesting how the parallel between your profession, your real life as the teacher, and then what you went through making the film. It's almost as if that struggle to make the film is what you dealt with as a teacher and you didn't give up. Where did you learn that value? Is that a value you learned from your father, that notion of perseverance? Yes. I grew up in a household. My father was a nuclear physicist and my mother was a nurse. And my mother never finished high school. She got a GED and then went to nursing school and became an incredible nurse. And my father got a PhD in nuclear physics. Um, of my two parents, my mother was much smarter than my father. Uh, my father lacked a lot of, uh, you know, I guess, life skills and life wisdoms. So um, my mother was the smarter of the two. But uh, both my parents, when I came home with a 99 on a test, both my parents would say, 99, good. What was the question you got wrong? So everything was about how can you be better? How can you be better? How can you be better? And my sister and I both went to public school. And my sister is now a renowned computer science professor at one of the top universities in the world. And I'm a high school teacher. And um, we both were raised to nothing is ever good enough. And we can't fail at anything. It's just failure is just not acceptable. That's the value that I instill in my kids. I have very, very high expectations. And my kids rise to those expectations. What would you like an audience to go away with after they see your film about a teacher? One of the things I want to emphasize about the movie is it's never the kid's fault. It's always the challenge for the teacher to figure out how can I do something differently to engage the kids in a better way. But it's also not the teacher's fault because I don't think teachers are properly prepared for this, as I, as I keep mentioning. You know, my wife is from Austria, and she mentioned that in Austria, teachers spend two years, up to two years, in a classroom under a master teacher, where they, for two years, get hands-on training and coaching on what they're doing before they let go of the reins. We're spending billions of dollars on education, but I'm not sure that the money is necessarily structured in, in the way that ultimately benefits the kids most. Because... When the kids get inexperienced teachers over and over again, it ultimately hurts the kids. And that's what I was trying to show. I want them to go away with an appreciation for what teachers do and an appreciation for what teachers face to realize that when teachers are struggling, it's not the kid's fault. It's not the student's fault. And it's also not the teacher's fault. And that teachers need to be supported. Teachers need to be recognized. Teachers need to be appreciated. And, you know, even the administrators are trying their hardest. In the movie, Hanan ends up using, in part, the training and advice from the administrators to help him become a better teacher. Everyone is trying their hard, hardest. And schools and teachers and administrators and students all need to be supported. And teachers need to be celebrated as heroes. One of the most moving things for me was when I released the trailer, the three-minute trailer, and I put that on a private Facebook page and in two days got more than 5,000 views with dozens and dozens and dozens of teachers commenting, saying things like one, per, one teacher wrote, this is the most authentic, accurate uh, depiction of teaching I've ever seen. And it's just the trailer. 
seeing that my colleagues are saying, wow, like this is it. You captured it. I showed it to some teachers and grown men crying, looking at me saying, you know, you got it. You, you, you showed it. To find out more about the film and where you can watch it, visit aboutateacherthemovie.com. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homer Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon. <laughs>